was going through a little rut at 29. Mm -hmm. um, I, I ate some magic mushrooms, and it enhanced my life on a level because I always struggled with depression for a lot of years. Like growing up, I'd ride these emotional waves, seasonal sure. depression, and I was just going through something that I couldn't even comprehend at that time in my life. Like I was like, what am I doing? I'm so lost. And I've never done it. I mean, I've indulged in, in herbs since I was 14. I have mm -hmm. no shame talking about that. Uh, I went on this magical journey. And when I came to really like the next day, I never felt the same. Welcome to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Young Wild Financially Free Podcast. My name is Andrew Roberts. What's going on, everybody? Matt Teifke here. And today's episode is a really good one. You just heard a little snippet, a little preview about our boy, Josh Brunsman. He was a good interview. Yeah, it was really cool. Talked a lot inspiring. about herbs. Yeah. <laughs> Talked a lot about mushrooms, which was really interesting. Uh, going into this interview, I didn't expect to talk about any of that stuff. Um, really just talked, thought I was going to talk about real estate. But he took us on a whole journey. Yeah, his life journey, and come from you know basically nothing. I think he was living in a mobile home or a trailer. Yeah. And, um, I can kind of relate to him on the baseball aspect. Like mm -hmm. he's super passionate and had like a semi-pro career. Right. Um, I need to invite him to play some softball sometime. Yeah, I bet he'd be good, dude. He yeah. said, I mean, he's walked on. Yeah. He moved from California to Texas to be closer to his mom. After the market crashed in 08, which he experienced fully, mm -hmm. um, and still had that dream of playing baseball, he still has that dream. He said sometimes he even thinks about it. He's like, man, I need to get in shape. I need to walk on to the Cubs. Um, but yeah, came back and decided to uh, kind of dive into the real estate industry here. Yeah, and he's done a good job of getting himself around people that are in the development business. And I think it's going to be exciting to see what he ends up doing mm -hmm. because he's talking to these people. He's helping by adding value. He's working as a broker, finding developers deals. But I'm very confident that we'll see him developing properties himself one day. Mm -hmm. And that's what's cool is you, we get these guys on here that are some that are established and some that are up and coming. Josh is up, definitely up and coming, uh, although he's been doing it for a while. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really cool to see how his career plays out. Yeah, and I hope that uh, you know we really get to work with him in the future even more uh, on any uh, you know area of real estate. Uh, you know, obviously the property management that we're doing now, or some of the construction and remodeling that we're getting into. Mm -hmm. um, it'd be fun to partner with him, or pass the peace pipe with him, or that, or that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so reach out to Josh; he's a great guy, and get coffee with him, ask him some questions. Um, you'll absolutely love him, just like we did. So without further ado, here's our buddy Josh Brunsman. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for coming, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. So what I want to do is I want to dive into your story, uh, learn about you and uh, kind of how you got to where you are today. So if you could start off by telling us, where are you from? I am from Northern California, uh, Auburn, California. It's about 30 minutes from Sacramento, 30 minutes between that and Lake Tahoe, a little foothill town about 1,200 feet above sea level, and just uh, you're up in the magical uh, uh, U.S. National Forest, really. That's awesome. Is that where you were born? Uh, born in Santa Cruz, um, and then we moved up there when I was 10. Um, my grandma lived up there, and it was just getting too expensive. My dad was getting a little bit older, and we just needed to kind of move closer to where you know our grandma, my grandma was at to take care of her as she got into her late age. Gotcha. 
So, do you have any siblings? I have a mixture of, of siblings from different, uh, from my mom and then my dad's previous marriage, but closest thing I have to me would probably be my brother. He's about 28 years old or 29 now. Okay. Um, and you said you're 32. Yeah, I'd be 32 in August. So, cool being the big brother. It's good, man. Yeah. He just had a little baby. And, uh, oh, awesome. He's, yeah, he's doing his thing as a dad, and he's just a great guy. Comes from a, they grew up in Troy, Temple, or right outside Temple. Gotcha. And just a good group of country boys, like good group of kids, man. Raised right. They learned a lot through athletics. Sure, yeah. So, yeah. And so off air, uh, you were telling me a little bit about uh, your baseball career. Um, so did you start playing baseball at a young age? Yeah, baseball was... My dad shuffled me through everything I could find because I was such a troubled kid. I could never sit still in class. I'd always be out and about getting in trouble, lighting fields on fire, whatever you... I mean, at six or seven years old, I was a, I was a nut job. Sure. Um, but my dad always kept me in baseball, and that was like my biggest thing because I was good at something. Okay. It was like the thing that I was good at. I wasn't good at pottery. I wasn't good at painting. I wasn't good at like anything school other than P.E., um, so baseball was my thing and I could throw the ball hard. Gotcha. So that's what, as the young kids who were like, you're that one guy. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And no other sports besides baseball? Man, I played football freshman, sophomore year. Okay. And then my dad asked me to quit playing ba- uh, uh, football when I was a sophomore just to focus on baseball. Didn't want you to get I, hurt. I weighed like 200 pounds. I was a fat kid at that time. What? I was a lineman. <laughs> no lineman. way. Yeah. yeah. Well, the listeners, I mean, for the listeners who can't see it, I mean, this guy looks trim. I mean, he is. <laughs> So 200 pounds is surprising. Yeah, I was a, I was a chunky kid. Wow. I had that baby fat on me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it disappeared quickly after I lost 20 pounds in freshman year of football. Gotcha. So, yeah. Sure. Um, and then, so, after high school, um, you wanted to play baseball at a, a higher level. So, that that's what you were trying to do out in California still? Man, when... So, my pops passed away five days after I turned 18. Oh, wow. And so that's when it was, like, real. Like, all right, you're, you're a grown man now. You got to go work. You got to go hustle. So, the first two years, um, I was coaching kids out of high school. And then my arch nemesis, um, forgot his name, Tyler French, he was a lefty pitcher from a rival high school. Mm. Very affluent background. So we just despised these kids. Sure, uh, yeah. Because they never had to work. And we were like this little community that had to work to get where we were at. So I saw him on the newspaper being the starting pitcher for Sierra College. And I, this was when I was delivering newspapers with my dad overnight to get make some extra cash. And I was like, absolutely not. And then that following year, I worked the whole summer, like lifting like sheets of plywood more than I would ever have building homes and getting ready to, for a tryout at the junior college. Oh wow! So yeah, it was um, it was a humbling experience. Sure, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And tryouts went great. Oh cool! Yeah, yeah, we had something like fifty or sixty pitchers try out, and I shut them down with my, nice. my work ethic. I was running circles around these kids. Because they were like they were like the, the the top pitchers of the area that just partied the whole summer because all the girls were like oh yeah they're the cool guys we can hang out with them they're like oh we're getting signed and then they show up to the junior college and they are just out of shape and yeah. partying and ran literally ran circles around them on the field oh wow yeah. that's awesome good stuff is that how uh, I mean kind of going back to earlier in your childhood is that how it was how it always was for you with like having to work harder because you were at a disadvantage or did baseball come naturally to you as a kid and then this was like the first like humbling experience in life man I, I always had to work hard um my my father never gave me anything we didn't really have much but he gave me everything that I could like so I never had to pay for baseball or a glove or a bat like but we never I never had the options of going to buy like a $400 catalyst for my for, for me sure so it was like hey let's go to Kmart let's get you the uh, the cheap bat but the cheap bat worked fine my dad would never let me quit 
And it was, it wasn't like he pushed me towards baseball because he didn't care for sports. It was more down the lines of like, Hey, you know, determination and following through on something and you're going to do it until you get better. And he's like, you're always going to get better. Um, but I had to start working full time when I was a freshman in high school after football at a, at my buddy's, uh, it's like a Sonic out there, but it's called Foster Freeze. Okay. So that's where it all really started at where I had to start working and making money. And my dad was like, Hey, you know, if you want to buy nice clothes or shoes, you want that pair of Vans. I'll pay twenty dollars because that's what I'll pay at Payless. But if you want to cover the other thirty, I'll do that. Got it. So it was like, oh, I want to have nice stuff because all my friends they they had affluent backgrounds and we sure didn't. Sure. Um, and so, how did you first get into real estate out there in California? So I graduated high school and I had no clue what I was going to do. Um, the girl that I was seeing at the time, her father um, worked for PG and E, and he was a higher up. And he, he was like, oh, just go to Lyman School and become a Lyman. Well, I didn't have the few grand to drop on Lyman School. And at the same time, I wasn't sure if that was my path. Um, so I applied um, for a job through... So in California, you have to be a licensed contractor. You just can't go out and do stuff. Everything has to be licensed. Okay. So I applied a job um, through the local uh, contractor board and got hired on by the VP who had a construction company. So at the same time, I was going to school full-time for construction science, uh, for residential infill development. And I worked for this builder building all these custom homes and uh, spec homes. Yeah, it was good. And at the same time, you're still playing baseball? Playing summer baseball, so American Legion. Okay. And yeah, so we, we did American Legion in the summertime, and um, I was coaching Little League from... I was coaching with a coach that coached me when I was a kid that taught me how to pitch. Oh, cool. So I was coaching his son. Full circle. Yeah, it really is. It really, awesome. really is. So what was your mindset like during that time with getting in to start working into real estate, going to school for that similar field... But then also still holding on to that dream of, of baseball. I knew that I still had a chance. I okay. um, I wasn't like the number one kid in my area by any by any means. I, w- I was kind of kept down by some of my coaches. But I, I had the hard work ethic that no one else had to pursue something even after it looked like it was dead. Mm-hmm. Um, it was tough uh, having to work full time. Like I was working like 60, 80 hours a week, living in a trailer coaching Little League, and then trying to be a full-time student. And granted, this was all like hands-on labor um, stuff on our classes. So we'd learn takeoffs. But we'd also be pouring concrete. We'd be doing roof systems, foundations, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was a drive because what it was is like I wanted to make my dad proud. I wanted to make sure that like I kept that Brunsman name going. And that Brunsman name is like an entrepreneur name. Like Everybody in our family have always been entrepreneurs like back into the 30s and 40s. Wow. Um, so my pops was older. He had me when he was 50. Okay. So it was kind of like he instilled all this into me. But like I just never liked to lose. And I always wanted to make sure that like if anything, I did anything, like it would be the best of my ability. Because sure. I wanted to be the youngest contractor in the area at like 19. I would have been able to be licensed. But I had to pay like 2500 bucks for the test. And have twenty five hundred bucks at that time. It. No, yeah. no, like two hundred and fifty bucks. You're like, wow, that's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. That's crazy. I feel like that's a a common theme I see, and a lot of guys might be girls too. I'm not sure, but like of wanting. You said you wanted to make your dad proud, you know, and like it was growing up. Like you, I'm sure you looked up to your dad a lot. Just that work ethic. I'm sure a lot of that came from wanting to make your dad proud. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was one of those things that just whenever I wanted to. Stop doing something. He was like, no. Right. You're not going to quit because you're going to give up. He's like, you're going to get better. You're going to put your time in. You're going to get better at it. And I learned a lot of that through schoolwork because I I struggled with school as a kid. So my father was a genius. Like, 
a genius. He was an author. He was a, like a math guy. He, wow. he kept books like just legitimate. He had a catering business. So I remember like watching how smart my father was because mm-hmm. every time I asked a question, he always had an answer, but it wasn't a dumb answer. Yeah. It was like he always had a, like a very specific answer. Like if I ever asked him how to spell something, go get the dictionary. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, he's just telling me how to spell the damn word. <laughs> you know, but um, it, it was good though. It was all those little things that really like he, he instilled into me not to... Just not to make life easy. Like, no, don't, don't, don't take the easy way out. Sure. Yeah. So that's what a lot of it came down to. That's awesome. But what happened with the move from California to Texas? So it was July 20th, 2008. The market was done in California. I'm watching everything being sold. I'm watching all these multi-million dollar mansions being foreclosed on, the boats, the F-350s, the jet skis, the wives are taking everything and the kids. Yeah. And uh, we lived in a very, we lived in a, worked in an area that was very similar to like a Westlake feel, just very okay. affluent, 800, 900,000 million dollar homes was like your norm. And then when we were building these homes, it was done. Um, so for months, I was like, I'm moving to Texas. I'm moving to Texas. Because my mom was like, come to Texas. I was like, no, I'm moving to Texas. I'm going to okay. make it out here. So your mom was living in Texas Yeah, she moved out when I was 10 to, okay. to Temple, Troy area. Um, and then she was like, come to Texas. Yeah, come, come walk on at the JUCO. Uh-huh. And so I came in. I walked on. I put, I put my dog in the front seat. My dog, Max. Uh, I loaded up the Tacoma. We, uh, we went this little cross-country voyage. Stopped and see my uncle, who's in Long Beach. Stopped and set, met my dad's like good friend, who kind of raised me as a kid who actually was the first person that had me sell stuff on a beach at seven years old selling organic dog and cat food. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah, like at 6.30 in the morning, Linda Logan. Um, so Did he just go get kills and bits and then put it in another bag? No, 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 no. This was like the best dog food, or it was like sun-dried dog food. Like, Ooh. yeah, yeah, like natural organic stuff. Nice. Um, so I fed my dog that his entire life, basically. Uh-huh. And then uh, I showed up in Texas and... Uh, Oh, moving from an area that allows you to be open-minded to an area that like Troy, where it was like the opposite, okay. it was hard. It, yeah. it, it was hard because it wasn't the friends. It was just more of like trying to adjust and just know that like, oh, no, you probably can't say stuff like that anymore. Culture you know, like, shock. Yeah. Culture shock. Big time. Yeah. But um, it, it was interesting because um, I moved in with my mom and then kind of started rekindling this relationship that we we didn't really have, um, it, it all came full circle. My dad passed, my mom and I got super close again, but that's awesome. Moving to Texas, man, it was great. Um, I, I thought I was just going to come in and just be this like stud at this baseball team and then sure. find out like the coach was like, you're too short. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. Um, but also he's six foot eight and he was a professional pitcher and gave Barry wow. Bonds up his first home run. So, you know, he probably has, he probably has a clue of yeah. height and what, who can do what. Sure. Yeah, I got you. Um, and so how soon after you got to Texas did you, I mean, I know you were given the go at the baseball thing. And how soon after you got to Texas did you start working in real estate again? So I moved, um, I lived in Temple for three years, or Troy, and then I moved to um, Austin in 2011. I actually came to go to Houston Tilton, HBCU okay. on the east side to go play baseball. Yeah, And that's where... It didn't work out with the coach and I after two years. And then a gal that I worked with at a restaurant was like, boy, you need to get your real estate license. She's like, you have the gift of gab. You can talk to anybody. She's like, you need to quit doing this waiter stuff. And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, what are you talking about? So yeah. at this time, I was still doing like bar maintenance and some small remodels on people's homes, like sheetrock that get water damaged. Like, I'm really good with my hands. Yeah. Um, it was a great like handyman. And um, I was like, ah, oh. I was like, I don't know. So I ended up working on my license for like six, seven months. 
failed the test like four or five times because I was never in the mindset for it. I was just always trying to work and get going. Like you said before, you know, going back to your childhood, you know, school wasn't your your thing. Yeah. You know, baseball was was your thing. Yeah, it was like a memorization thing. And it was just like having to study this and... I just didn't really care for it. So I, I was six months, took, it was too long in between to take my license to get it because um, I was still trying to work and I was working in restaurants and then I was still like in my early mid, I was like 25. Uh-huh. And um, so I finally got it. Okay. And then I didn't know what to do with it. And I just started doing apartment locating. Okay. And apartment locating, six months, killed it. But I was like, this is not my journey. Really? This is not my path. Because Trulia, uh, Zillow, it had changed everything once they didn't allow you to keep posting your own fake, like you were the apartment manager or whatever. You could post stuff. Uh-huh. So you could post random listings everywhere. So I put like all the deals on on like down the road and someone would see this little dot and click on it and be like, oh yeah, one month free. And they hit me up. Yeah. But it also gave me their email and their phone number. So it was it was a slam dunk almost every time. Sure. And then it just, I realized, like, this is not what I want to do. Uh-huh. I, I was like, I felt like I was still working for the, the man in a way. Yeah. It was good money. I mean, I, first time in my life I ever got an $1,800 paycheck for walking someone in a door. Yeah. I was right. like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So did you, with apartment locating, did you have to hold your license under anybody? How did that work? Yeah. I um, I started hanging my license with Austin, Sil- Austin City Realty, and I was kind of just thrown in the fire. Mm-hmm. And they're like, there you go. Good sure. luck. A little pat on the butt. And you're like... I don't know anything to do. Yeah. So I'm answering phones and I can't even like articulate what these people are asking me about buying homes, loans. I had no idea. Sure. No idea. Yeah. Still didn't even look at a contract, what a contract was. So I, uh, I switched over to Dash Realty cause they were giving me like a $99 like per deal fee. Oh. So I'd get like all my commission, which yeah. at that time when you're just trying to shuffle people through apartments and getting 900, 1200 bucks, that three to $400 is a big difference. For sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was, that's really what was going on with it. And I just decided, I was like, you know what, I'm trying to do too much with this apartment thing. I was doing videos. I was like putting it on, on Facebook or on YouTube. So I could really? send it to all the folks and be like, Hey, you know, look at these three apartments. Cause I would, I would send them like a good one, a garbage one. And then that great one. And they also paid the great commission. Yeah. Cause I was like 75% and less not getting my people. Yeah. So I ended up uh, just taking uh, these folks to these, these spots, but also just you know, get them through the, um, just get them through the apartments that they didn't want to be at real quick. Sure. Just say, Hey, this is it. Look at the video. Oh, I don't like that. All right, let's go here. Then you're going to like it. And just started putting them in. Nice. So yeah, that's awesome. That was really progressive of you to at age 25. This is seven years ago, right? To yeah. utilize YouTube and Facebook and these social media platforms in order to your best advantage with listing these apartments and stuff like that. I feel like that was kind of I feel like even now in today's society, a lot of real estate professionals aren't utilizing it. Like they feel like they're yeah. missing it. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was really important, and advantageous in regards to just getting clients. I mean, at that time, I had no idea about SEO or anything along those lines. Sure. But when I would post everything from Truly and Zillow, that's where I got my lead. So that's where I could sh- I could give it to these people. Mm-hmm. And then I started finding out. You know, downtown was like offering like 150, 200 percent. And I was like, oh, let's get start doing listings downtown. Yeah. You know, so I was trying to shuffle people downtown. I was like, I'm going to get to pay 2500 bucks for walking them in. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was one of those things. And I did a couple of those, but then it it just, uh, it got, it started getting too daunting. Okay. Where I just, I didn't want to do it anymore. Because uh-huh. it, it just, I didn't like it anymore. After six, seven months, I was sure. like, oh, this is not my cup of tea. Like, this is not what I meant to do to get into real estate. It's yeah. great. I'm grateful. But what's the next step? So... Well, yeah, what, you get what was the next step? Man, we, uh, 
so I can't take all the full, all the credit when I first got going into land. Uh, I had a house over on Santa Rita that I wanted to buy and remodel, and I was trying to get uh, something put together for a guy that was working out at Gold's Gym downtown, and he wasn't interested in it. But at this time, I had some friends that I met at Olive Garden. I moved to Temple years ago. I ran into them at a 7-Eleven, and they opened up a cocktail bar. And uh, they were trying to get going on this this journey. So I was their guinea pig for a while, getting the drinks tested out on me. Well, the, the bar floundered. It wasn't them. It's just a, a really odd location, really mm-hmm. odd spot, too fancy of a bar. And uh, they were my good buddies. So they ended up like getting evicted from their house on South Lakeshore Drive. And I was like, well, come live with me. Yeah. Well, I lived in, and people can't really see, but this is about 450 square feet in this room. Well, yeah. that's what we were living in. We had oh, three wow. of us, two dogs. They were evicted. Their bar was getting shut down for a remodel. Sure. And then the remodel, as everyone knows in Austin, six months turns into a year. Yeah. And they, were, they watched a video on wholesaling. And I was like, oh, no. No, that that's illegal. No one's going to do that. That's yeah. illegal. Yeah. I was like, I can't risk my license like that. Uh-huh. And um, they're like, well, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. And I was like, yeah, I just drink the Kool-Aid, Josh. So <laughs> ended up like watching these videos with them, you know, just to be candid, we were, we were just driving around, um, indulging in some uh, smoking and watching, looking at real estate. <laughs> nice. And... Uh, Chuck was very ambitious, so we all had roles, but Chuck was like the most ambitious. He was older by five years. I was years. just going to ask, it's Josh and Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so yeah, give a shout out to uh, Josh Eaton and Chuck Taylor, man, some cool. good friends of mine, and, and really like we went our separate ways, but we wouldn't be here today if we didn't go through what we went through. Uh-huh. So we all scratched each other's back. We were, you know, we were all, Chuck was doing some bodybuilding, professional uh, physique f- stuff, and he was like on his diet, and I was like, oh my God, how do you like measure out a pe- scoop of peanut butter? Right, yeah. So, and then Josh broke his collarbone because we were like doing the sober life of like not partying, not going out, and okay. we were playing football, and Josh broke his collarbone and all yeah. this stuff. But anywho, so we were just driving around, and Chuck called uh, Daniel Rees of Verde Homes, and he was like, oh, I'm not interested in those lots, but you should call this person. So we called uh, Sal with MX3 Homes, and Sal was like, I'll take them. So we wholesaled these properties, and we did like 25000 on roughly $320,000 in sales. And we had no idea. Yeah. Like, like, we assigned this, and we gotta give a shout out to Lamar Cannon because Lamar was the first person to send us over a assignment agreement and kind of show us how the ropes of, a, of wholesaling went because uh-huh. we had no clue about any of this. We were just flying by the seats of our pants. <laughs> sure, yeah. So fake it, it till you make it. Yeah, man. Yeah, we showed up to closing trying to sign for the deal, even though it was an assignment. They're like, "You guys don't need to sign for everything." <laughs> Why are you? Then we were like, "When do we get our checks?" <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we were broke, man. Like we literally, I had maybe a few hundred bucks. I don't think Josh and Chuck had really anything because they were just whatever they can make that night at the bar. Yeah. And um, and you know, you know, we got this check for like twenty three thousand between two properties. And we were like, what? Yeah. Life-changing. Yeah. So, you know, we all went out and got some personal stuff that we needed. Like, nothing like TVs or anything, but like clothes. Like, you know. But like cars and like well, women and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish. Just kidding. I was driving a junky 03 Jaguar uh, S-Type Ooh. that I thought that I needed because I needed to be Mr. Fancy in sure, real estate. Yeah. Granted, that car is outdated as heck. And I ended up putting a couple grand in there because it was just kept like the seals kept going out. This mm-hmm. kept going out. 
So yeah, that's how we kind of got going, and the the, the real safe factor of uh, finding land, and then MX3 was like, "We'll bring us more." And this is before like the the market was completely watered with everyone's a wholesaler and their mother. Before everyone's doing all these, you know, selling picks and axes on how to wholesale, sure. uh, which is key. Um, you know, you see it, you see it, and um, we we really started like pushing on some MLS land. Uh, which no one was really focusing on land at that time because no one understood the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we built these relationships and really just started working with the city of Austin, getting a good understanding of what you can and can't build, zoning. And any. I spent probably the first two years almost every day at the city asking about stuff. I had no idea what small lot amnesty was. I could barely tell you how to figure out calcs for FAR. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting here like reading through the zoning guides over and over and over. And then stuff would start to click because mm-hmm. I'm a hands-on guy. Yeah. So, yeah, we started building some relationships, and then our name started getting thrown around, like, hey, these are the land guys. Yeah. And then we, we probably did almost, probably did over 150 properties in three years. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were, we were crushing it, man. That's a lot. I mean, it was great. But yeah. then it literally, just like the market crashed in 08, the land wholesale game completely diminished. I mean, it was gone. Uh-huh. And what happened? Yeah. You know, there's a few factors. Um you had a lot of opportunity previously. You had a lot of people that were just getting, oh, you're going to give me how much for my land? Okay, let's take it. And we were never here to lowball anybody. We All we really did was just contract minus the commission and then make up for 4 to 5% in addition on the wholesale fee. We worked with a lot of families, airship title issues. We got a lot of people through stuff that they could, that no one would really help out. I mean, we did some that took over two years mm. um, in regards to airship and title airship issues and getting attorneys and then paid up front. It just... You had all the low-hanging fruit, mm-hmm. and everyone that needed to jump on something jumped on it. Yeah. I mean, for example, there's a lot that was sold over in, on 14th Street in the east side. In 2013, it sold for 63000 And then 2017, it was selling for $220,000. Know, mm. um, so there's a big swing in land pricing, but the secret got out. The folks that were left are the folks that had no interest on selling or they were in a position. You know, They were still at that age to where like they didn't want to leave the community, which I don't you know, I don't think anybody should be having the force to leave. But yeah, yeah, just a lot of people had grandma's property, you know, their uncle's property, family property. Sure. It was just sitting there vacant. I mean, you look at Google Maps back in the day, you're just like, wow, man, these streets are rough. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. We just, we offered a service. We did a lot of marketing and we, we just reached out to folks for land and people were just never getting this offer for land before. So, the, you know, $250,000 to a, you know, disenfranchised family, like they're, they're 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 jumping on that. That's a game changer. It's yeah, a game changer. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. So, you're saying that basically the land wholesale game kind of got watered down by a lot more wholesalers coming in, and so there wasn't as much to go around. Yeah, you, you just had a, a what was left of the pie was so small. Sure. And then everyone was trying to make everyone was trying to seem like they were trying to retire on one deal. Yeah. And that's where it really started to change because we watched our spreads go from, you know, 15, 20,000 for, you know, a good chunk of land mm-hmm. down to, you know, five, 6,000, just trying to sacrifice some, some, so were know. these other wholesalers just marking it up too much or? Yeah. Yeah, man. That, that's a big problem that we're seeing even still now. Yeah. It's just uneducatedness on land pricing and where stuff's going and understanding that, you know, land is going up, but also the cost of development has gone up. City fees have gone up. And also we're not seeing, we're not seeing the sale prices go up at the same time. Mm -hmm. You have certain pockets of town that are definitely still growing, but, um, you just had a over influx of people. And when you're getting five, seven, eight offers pinned up against 
you know, with one owner, the owner's like, oh, well, this person offered me this. Can you offer 5,000 more? Mm-hmm. And then our clients were like, we can't offer any more. Yeah. You know, there's no water tap there. So we have to pay 35,000 bucks for a water tap. And you're like, you have to do what? Like, are you serious? Like, what's it? No, you don't. And then you find out you do. Because you always take everything with a grain of salt when you hear from these guys. Like, sure. you know, granted, they want their land, but of course they want it for cheap. Um, but it just, it just got so overwhelming with how many people were out there. Sellers were getting blown up at this time. The secret was out. The city of Austin was really hot. Yeah. So, I mean, you had everybody trying to wholesale. You had people out of, you had people in Canada trying to wholesale down here. Like, not even kidding. And it was, when you get these, when you, yeah. I'm not gonna drop names, but but uh, <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> they're good you know. Guys. Yeah, 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 man. So when you get these like offers, you're like, "What are you talking about, man? Right. Like, where are you getting this from?" Well, Zillow, and I'm like, "Oh, well, I was like, well, tell them to buy it." You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So okay. So uh, after wholesaling, you yeah. wanted to kind of exit that field. What happened? Man, uh, so my partners and I we split up. I think March of 2017. And it was just at the end of it, like we were all struggling to make money sure. and I could kind of tell like we were all just wanting to do something different. We were, for, was it a business decision? Yeah, or? it was a business decision because okay. we were working in Dallas too. And we were very, yeah. we, we, I was going back and forth every weekend, sure. you know, every other weekend going to Dallas and it just got too tough. Um, we were just getting spread too thin. I think we were trying to grow too much, but also I saw where we didn't really put systems into play by hiring people or mm-hmm. hiring the right people. Um, we weren't making enough money. So we couldn't hire anybody, so we okay. wanted to keep all the money for ourselves, other than like thirty percent for the company for marketing, sure. and it just it just started getting like really um, thin. Yeah. Um, so I noticed this after we split up, and I was like, you know what, I have to get into a typical brokering side of things. I have to procure myself as a land guy in this town going forward, and not as a wholesaler. So I started building really good relationships with a lot of the the, the builders I already worked with, and just kind of getting rid of my buying pool. I okay. haven't, done, haven't done a blast out in over three years. Like I don't have to do that. I work with specific guys because that's the value I bring to them. Um, but also, I just started working with folks that were, I guess, out of my realm at that time, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to start just having consistent money coming in. Yeah. So it took about a year to transition. I did like a couple wholesalers here and there. Got it. Um, but more it came down to just representation because I knew land so well. I wanted to convey that and, and offer that to um, <coughs> sellers because they weren't, they're getting the exact same price that they were getting as a wholesale. Sure. So it, it, to me, it was just like, let me not shop your property, but let me work with you or let me connect the dots to the person that wants to truly buy it. That's right? cool. Yeah. What were you doing along the way with the money that you were making? Were you investing it or saving? Man, you know, I barely getting by. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had I owed the IRS from a couple years that when I got first got my my uh, taxes back, they're like, "You owe this." And I was like, "But that's not even that much money. Why do they need twenty five thousand bucks?" Yeah, you know. And then uh, school loans, and then also just trying to get myself out of that like poverty level where I was at, just barely getting by. I did save up some cash. I stacked up some cash. I bought my first house. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, three and a half percent FHA all the all way around. Right. Absolutely. Got it, baby. Yeah, I had to uh, borrow $35,000 from a builder who ended up pretending to be my uncle um, so I could buy the house. <laughs> all right. Because um, they weren't they weren't counting my funds in my bank because it was a new entity yeah. that was giving me my money. Sure. Um so no, I really never got a chance to stack up cash or, or anything like that yet. I was still in the mindset of just trying to get deals done and yeah. just growing and putting some money aside and just trying to get back up on my feet because when we split up, it was rough because I had to start back over again. Uh-huh. So I had a house on Cesar Chavez. I officed out of there. I lived there. I put all my money into it knowing that like I'm going to start this over again. I'm yeah. going to do it right. Yeah. So I uh, 
now I'm, I'm starting to save my money. Now um, I'm really starting to take, take advantage of like the larger spreads I'm making, live as frugal as possible, uh, still live a great life. I travel a lot, but um, now it's more along the lines of just being mindful of my funds and knowing that I don't need anything fancy. Yeah. I love my 14 Kia Soul. That thing's been right. good to me. It's you got, got a Prius. Yeah. You got the Prius, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I love my $10, $12 shirts from Ross. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm very simple, man. Like, That's very awesome. simple. I don't have a car. I don't have a TV in my house. I don't have anything other than something to do with work. So way to do it, man. I was talking to someone yesterday. It's like, you know, obviously there's people that are super millionaires that have Lamborghinis. Right. And, and I don't have any judgment. But for me, like the people that I see and look up to, they don't drive those kind of cars. Yeah. And they're very, you know, look at Warren Buffett. I mean, that's a perfect example. For sure. We saw his house. Yeah, it's I know. It's a very modest house. It, it honestly, is. pretty boring. And, and I think it's like you you make these sacrifices like you're talking about, and over time it really can like snowball and add up to creating yourself a lot of wealth. Mm-hmm. No, it really does. And, and just about being frugal with your money because yeah. you can see how quickly it can go. Right. I mean, if I wanted to go get a $800 a month lease on a Mercedes, I could do it, but... What, what's Why? that? Yeah, exactly. For the 14, 15 minutes a day that I'm in that car right. and to do what? It's like, I'm, I don't need that. I, I rented a BMW years ago and I got that out of the way for a weekend. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I am snooty when I drive this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, here I am in my cheap khakis and my yeah. $10 button up and I'm driving this like $75,000 BMW and I'm yeah. like, man, I was like, I see this. Like, I feel like an asshole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying everyone that drives a BMW right. is that, but you know, great cars, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, I think good. it is important to, to be mindful of your money because it can go quick and it, and it can go quick in this, in this real estate market when you're really trying to project something to the public and to your, you know, your associates in regards to like how you're living. Like, I'm doing great. Look, yeah. it, I have this. But yeah. at the end of the day, like there are some folks out there that are crushing it and they have all the rights to be able to take stuff like that down. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I remember when I was doing commercial real estate, I still do it a little bit, but yeah. I, w- I would... For whatever reason, I'd show up to a showing in a Prius, and I'd be kind of ashamed. Really? Yeah. Because, oh. because you know, people look at that, and like yeah. commercial brokers all have freaking Tahoes and right. nice cars, yeah. and I'd kind of maybe park around the corner to go show the spot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you ain't yeah. the only one who's done that a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's somewhat. It's on the same topic, but just random. Uh, Nick Saban. I heard this quote he had. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. He said, "If you want to be happy for an hour, buy a steak." Yeah. You want to be happy for a day, go golf. You want to be happy for a month, buy a Porsche. If you want to be happy for your life, do something that if you're not going to show up, people are going to miss you. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's like so true. And it's, it goes along with what we're saying. Yeah. It's like I was just about to bring up the topic of happiness because like that's the goal for everybody. And I firmly believe that happiness is a choice. Right. It doesn't matter what you drive or what you wear, but it does matter like the choices that you choose every single day, how you treat people, because that's really what is the goal is happiness. Right. Treating people is key. Yeah. Um, that is something that it's easy to get in, get into like an awoke nature in your mindset of like, oh, I'm better than this person or I'm doing that. I think it, I think it, it comes, I think, I think we have it instilled into us biology, like biologically, like yeah. just for growth and trying to better ourselves. Mm-hmm. But there is a time to where it's like, ooh, you know, why? why, why? Like you're, you're, you're pinning yourself against someone else mm-hmm. to try to make yourself feel better. And it's like, ugh, that, it doesn't feel good. Right. When you can just literally, like my, my thing is, is I try to walk around everywhere with a smile. Yeah. Like I, if someone's not smiling at me and they look at me, like they're going to smile because yeah. you cannot not smile. Right. You see a happy face, you're like, oh, 
Yeah, I'm smiling now. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, man, it just goes over so far, too, just because sure. your energy changes. Uh-huh. And that's when you start attracting the right people in your life. 100%. Yeah. Because yeah. This is, I think all you guys know, you've, you've seen the journey that you've had personally, mm-hmm. and you've watched the people that have came. They've saw, they've seen, and, and then they've left. Yeah. And you know, you realize who's important in your life, and you and you guys are all married, so you probably have some phenomenal wives because you're married. Right. But not everyone gets the best of the best out there, and it's easy to get you know lost in this this pool of real estate folks, and everyone's so different. You know, some of these guys make their money, and they want to go party for the weekend. Some people yeah. want to travel. Some people want to live a life that's not comprehensible. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, it just comes down to how you treat everybody, man. Right. And if you're a truly genuine person, you're going to meet truly genuine people. They're yeah. going to bring you up. Yeah. I've noticed these these older school cats, these commercial brokers, you know, they're they are so friendly. Uh-huh. Like if you try and you bust your ass, like they're like, man, like this kid's on a hustle. Like let's let, how can we enable him? Yeah. Compared to like how do we take him down? Uh, that kind of ties into. I was wondering if you're talking about relationships and how you treat other people, if going from wholesaling to the next stage in your career if you just felt happier if you enjoy that more because you said you were building relationships with people yeah. instead of just looking for a deal absolutely yeah i i have gotten away from the deal mindset cuz the deals are going to come sure. you're going to get paid it, my my broker scott turner um who I have a lot of respect for. He has been like very uplifting in my journey in the last couple of years and enabling me to get my broker's license. So I, I, I'm, I'm in the process of getting my broker's license. Didn't pass the test last week, but it doesn't mean I'm not capable or caught in being a broker. Yeah, another shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll be launching my brokerage here in the next month or so, nice. which I'm cool. really excited Thanks. about. Uh, I was so, going to try and recruit you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, well, we can always work collaboratively. Yeah, no, yeah, like, but like yeah. I tell everyone, you know, it's, it's, we can always find ways to work with each other because uh-huh. there's enough pieces of the pie out there for everyone. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm big on the, the relationship side of things. The last three years, I became so much happier with Good. myself. Um, I was going through a little rut at 29. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ate some magic mushrooms. And it enhanced my life on a level because I always struggled with depression for a lot of years. Like growing up, I'd ride these emotional waves, seasonal depression. And I was just going through something that I couldn't even comprehend at that time in my life. Like I was like, what am I doing? I'm so lost. And I've never done it. I mean, I've indulged in in herbs since I was 14. Mm -hmm. I have no shame talking about that. Um, I was always frowned upon. Yeah, we don't either. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, when... I tried it and I ate an eighth and I went on this magical journey. And when I came to really like the next day, I never felt the same. I was, I was so happy inside. I didn't realize that neurogenesis stemmed from that. Uh And I was able to rewire my brain and just go on this like journey of just positivity that I'd never had before. That's awesome. And uh, it really helped. So yeah, the freedom that I've been able to have and, and working with the folks in these relationships have been fantastic. Okay. The My clients, they're some of the biggest players in town now. Um, they treat me so well and I, they're so humble. Mm-hmm. Like they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars and they drive like a small like Fiat. Yeah. And they wear like a t-shirt mm-hmm. and they're humble and they enable me and they, they, they introduce me to their friends. And I think that's the biggest form of flattery right there uh-huh. is when you're, you're meeting with people that are doing towers, you're meeting with people that are doing develops in Nashville, you're meeting with people that are doing student housing. You're sitting here like, how the hell am I meeting these people? Mm-hmm. And it was hard to, to be like, oh, I, I'm meeting great people. Why? Because it's like self-sabotage. You're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be meeting these people. Sure. And then after a while, I was like, dude. 
these people are so great and this is what I've been asking for I've been asking to get brought up into this like this yeah. realm of like you gotta put yourself out there right? yeah, yeah. It really is. And these people have just been great, man. And, and everyone around me is just great. I have a lot of good friends that are young builders. I have people my age that are in all facets of real estate in Austin, whether they work for you know Endeavor, they work for themselves, they work for these other groups. They just treat me well. And I never, yeah. I always thought that these people were like, never going to want you to, to get better. Sure. But like when they're opening up performance for you and showing you how to crunch numbers and how to stabilize land and do covered land plays, you're like, Oh damn, dude! I appreciate that. Like, yeah, I just spent like three years, like in college, learning this in like thirty minutes with you. So. Right? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's Can great. you tell the listeners uh, what a covered land play is? <clears throat> uh, man, a covered land play is really where you have a, a, a great piece of land that is going to more likely appreciate in the near future. Um, there's already pre, uh, pre-existing improvements on the site that you can either go in and get some tenants in there. So really, the best play is is to have something like a pre-existing warehouse where maybe it's ran down, you can give your, your new tenant some TI money, and then you can really improve the value of the land um, through um, a, a new ground lease with them, typically a, a full triple net lease, mm-hmm. base rent, and then you give them a good TI package. Um, and that's what's that's how you really start creating some wealth, and that's what I've started to really realize. Like, hell with the single-family residential. Like, that sounds great and all, but man, like, let me get some people's money together to go buy a two three million dollar warehouse and let's see what this plays off into in five to eight years. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. Um, I did want to point out one thing for people listening that, and it's just kind of a pet peeve of mine, is that there's a difference between being frugal and being cheap. Oh, yeah. And I think it's very important. And the reason I say that is because you have to, like, you, you got to go spend money sometimes to get things done. And, you know, it's, it's important to go take people out and if you're going to invite them to buy their lunch or to buy their coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just goes a long way. And that's just, I just wanted to bring that up because I don't want people to think that you just try to save every single dollar you possibly can right. and you're going to be successful. No. There's just different ways to where to spend money and, and when, you know, different times. For yeah, that. for sure. I would say like the approach I have with it is to be frugal when it comes to myself, but be generous when it comes to other there you people. Go. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. yeah. It is, man. I mean, picking up everybody else, and and I've seen some bird dogs, some wholesalers still out there uh-huh. that they're hustling, man. And you have to give credit where credit's due. Absolutely. Because um, you don't want to, you don't want to put anybody down, man. Because sure. you're putting someone down, you're really just putting yourself down. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, with 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 the, the being frugal and the coffees, like you, I want to meet the people that are moving and shaking this town. I want to take people out to lunch or talk to the people that have done it, mm-hmm. that are accomplished and that are light years ahead of where I'm at because I am not savvy with financial crunching or anything. I'm great at land and land only. Mm-hmm. You want me to do projections? Sure. I'll build it out, but I am not one to finance your model. Like let the guys that are good at what they do, do what they're great at. Yeah. Right. Um, That's and, a good life lesson for a lot of people to learn in any business, in any industry is to be, is to hone in on what you're good at. And don't let the stuff that you're bad at discourage you. That's just a job for someone else. So yeah. ask, ask somebody. Yeah, I'm not doing my books. I'm telling you that. Like, <laughs> I, I have a hard time trying to figure out how to log into QuickBooks. <laughs> you know, let alone how to... I forgot my password. Yeah, how to reconcile never everything. Even tried. Yeah. They're like, you want a bookkeeper for 150 bucks a month? I'm like, oh, 150 bucks a month. That's 13 a year. Mm. All right, let's do it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you have to start thinking bigger. You right. know, because... I still enjoy mowing my lawn. It's like one of those little things that yeah. for me, like it brings me gratification, uh-huh. even though it's like probably the poorest thing that I can do, like regards to comparative advantage on my time and sure. how I value it. 
But man, it makes me feel like I'm five years old again, cutting my neighbor's yard, making 10 bucks yeah. and hunting them down to get paid because they didn't have the money on them at that time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you know, stuff like that. You yeah. Know? And it's, cool. a, it's that full circle. Yeah. Um, for sure. That. 100%. Baseball question. Yeah. Bottom of the ninth, full count. You're up by one. What pitch are you throwing? Uh, splitter. Oh, man. Yeah. I like that. Splitter. I used to throw a splitter. Because right. you, you get the ground ball. Yeah. yeah you get, I love you, that, you get dude. the ground ball. And that's the, that's the biggest thing for me. Like, I could go up there and try to K someone up, but I, I know that if I live low through that splitter, they're probably going to get the bottom of the I'm bat. I'm digging that, dude. I used to throw a splitter, too. And I'd move my shortstop over to the six hole a little bit more and third baseman off the line because they're probably not going to pull it. Right. So i just try to move them over a tad. I love that. All right. Yeah. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. What's the big goal? What's the career goal for you? Man, it's hard because it, 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 I still like fight with getting older and I realize that I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in my 30s, which isn't, isn't relevant. But I still think like in my mind, like, all right, I'm going to hit the gym. I'm going to go to the baseball field. I'm going to get another shot at this. <laughs> and, I, and I think we all have to realize is that we, we're not going to get another shot at what we do in life. Okay. So you really have to go for You're not going to turn 70 and go back to being 20 or go back to like getting signed by, you know, the Dodgers out of high school. Like you're 70 years old, but you sure. can still do things and you can still do things great. The end goal for me really is to be a developer. Okay. That is something that I've been itching for so long, and the people that I'm meeting with, I'm I'm like right there, mm-hmm. like I'm I'm just working with them now. But I know that in the future, with my dedication, my work ethic, and what they see in me, that uh, a partnership isn't too far fetched. Sure. Cool. And I'm trying to really build my relationships with those folks because they're getting at the age now to where in ten years they're not going to be interested in doing it, but they're going to have the money, uh-huh. and that's where I'm going to come into play. And uh, that's really what it's coming down to. Like, I, I, I thought great. I wanted to get into home building. No, I don't want to get into home building, man. Home yeah. builders aren't killing it like that. Everyone right. thinks they're making all this buku bucks, but they're really not at the end of the day. Uh-huh. Um, and for me, it's it's just about seeing and learning through them vicariously. I watched one of my clients drop 13k in earnest money because he realized that he had the potential of possibly losing 60 grand over the next six months. Mm-hmm. For me, $13,000, that's unheard of to let go hard on earnest money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned from that. I learned that don't do a deal that's not going to make you money. So mm-hmm. I, I just lived 13000 bucks vicariously through him. Mm-hmm. So I'm meeting nice. all these people that are doing their thing, man. And mm-hmm. I'm just learning from them right now. Wow. And I'm very excited, too, because it's, it's just great relationships. And I don't know what the future holds, mm-hmm. but I know right now what I'm going to keep focusing on, and that's specifically land. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's going to happen for sure. Yeah. I can tell. That's very cool. We've had a a lot of people on this podcast. We've had a few millionaires on here, but I would say that you're probably either the most or one of the most successful people we've had on our podcast just because of your attitude and what we talked about earlier with happiness and the way you treat people. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's fun, man. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Um, One last thing. Yeah. So for young hustlers uh, in the real estate industry, entrepreneurs, and not in the real estate industry, uh, what's like the one piece of advice that you would give? Don't try to get over on people and don't try to retire on one deal. And But stay focused, man. Uh-huh. And, and get away from all the naysayers. Because all the people that can't do it will tell you you can't do it. And they will bring you down. And it, it's, a, it's a lonely, it can be a lonely journey. It really can be. Um, but if you're dedicated, you're focused on your passion, don't let anybody ever tell you that you can't do it. Because I, maybe I knew deep down that, that more than likely I wasn't going to be playing for the Chicago Cubs as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. But no one was going to tell me that I couldn't get better at baseball and take myself from being mediocre to being really, really good. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I, I, anybody did, they weren't my friends anymore mm-hmm. because I would never put down my friends on what they're trying to do in their life. Mm-hmm. So I've watched a lot of people hinder themselves by letting others influence them and keeping themselves down, whether it's like, oh, let's go party. It's like, no, I need to focus on this. No, man, we'll still be there. Mm-hmm. But I just think you just got to do it, man. You just got to do it. And mm-hmm. for anybody, you know, regardless of, of who you are, where you're at, what kind of mo- how much money you have, we, we have the opportunity here in America where anybody's almost going to buy anything that you do. You don't have this opportunity in other countries. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone to Colombia for two months out of the last year. I've been there. The opportunity that we have here in the States is uncomprehendable. Mm-hmm. And for anybody to think that they can't do something, well, you got to change your mindset. You got to level up. You got to step it up. Mm-hmm. Because you have a cell phone. You have everything in here. Mm-hmm. You have people that are so good at social media now. You, you have all the opportunities around you to do something with it. And it doesn't have to necess- and it does not have to mean by making money. Mm-hmm. Making money is great. It does bring happiness. It does bring joy, but it also brings sorrows. Mm-hmm. But you really just have to focus on who you are and what you want in life. Because when you're in your 20s, it's going to go quick. And you're going to realize the people that you started off with might not be there for you in your mid to late 20s. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have phenomenal great people because that's what you're going to attract. And that's I all we all that. want in life, man. That's yeah. great, man. Super that's good. Awesome. Yeah. For the listeners, how can they find out more about you? Man, uh, my name is Joshua Brunsman. Uh, I don't really have such a much of a social media because I'm always be working um, and doing my grind, which I love. Um, you can find me at uh, thirdanglededevelopments.com. Um, also, you can find me at the uh, turnerresidential.com website. I hang my license with Scott Turner, phenomenal broker, great guy, one of the most savviest influential people not just in regards to real estate but also in regards to the code read right mm-hmm. very um selfless in regards to spending two three years on rewriting this code to better the future of austin and currently the people in austin um you can find me on facebook J- josh brunsman uh two ends at the end um if you ever got any questions about land or real estate or just want to grab some coffee and, and talk shop i'm always down for that I'm always down to help the people that are on their way up, just like the people that helped me on my way up. That's awesome, man. And I'll include all of your information in the show notes below. Yep. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for being on the yeah, podcast. Appreciate it. Absolutely. It was, guys, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much. Sure.